Gary Prokopovich with Civil War Talk Radio. Almost every Civil War student has seen his face somewhere, perhaps charging up Cemetery Ridge in the film Gettysburg, or more likely glowering on the cover of the 1998 bestseller Confederates in the Attic by Tony Horwitz. Those who have read that book know that the Confederate on the cover is Uber reenactor Robert Lee Hodge. Today, we'll find out what it's like to relive the Civil War and more with Robert Lee Hodge on Civil War Talk Radio. Onboard computers to improve fuel efficiency and reduce emissions. Check. Acoustic and optical wayside monitors to enhance safety. Check. Robotic systems to measure track geometry. Check. GPS tracking and tracing systems. Check. Sounds like a rocket or a jet getting ready for takeoff, doesn't it? Actually, it's something just as technologically advanced. A freight train. There's a new world of technology riding the rails that makes today's freight railroads more fuel efficient, safer, and cleaner running than ever. With wireless communications, transponders, and trackside readers that can pinpoint a shipment's location at speeds of up to 80 miles an hour, North America's freight railroads are driving the technology required by today's businesses and consumers. And with everything from apples to computers moving by rail, we wouldn't have it any other way. Chances are, the things you'll use tomorrow are taking the train today. Tomorrow, arriving by train. Sponsored by North America's Freight Railroads. Remember when you laughed during a business conference? You felt more energized, more alert, and more receptive to the message being delivered. Hi, I'm Russ Dahlnack, and I make people laugh. And as a professional humorous speaker, I open up a morning conference session with a laugh or close off the day with a funny recap. It's it's just a -a one-of-a-kind experience. Visit RussIsFunny.com right now. Get an audience into it. You know, if they're laughing, it's paying big dividends. They're more relaxed. They're more creative. And if nothing else, a humorous speaker leaves each and every one of them with a smile on their face. You need comedy. Custom, clean, clever comedy. Otherwise, the audience might just doze off. <laughs> just imagine, if you had to listen to hours of serious commentary without a break, come on, pack some upbeat energy into your next event. Humor works. Find me, Russ Stallnack, at russisfunny.com because, well, russischubby.com was taken. World Talk Radio, bringing the world to you. at East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina, coming to you from the marvelously attractive Brewster Building on campus, speaking, however, only on behalf of myself and not for the university or the state of North Carolina or the department or anyone but myself. As always, uh, thanks to everybody who has contributed uh, here and there over the past week to the book fund here at Civil War Talk Radio to help buy the books that we'll talk about in the coming week and occasionally pay the phone bill or other things, uh, should that become necessary here. This week, our guest is someone you've seen in all probability on the cover of a well-known Civil War book, Confederates in the Attic, by Tony Horwitz. But for a change, it's not the author. It is indeed just the person on the cover, just as perhaps the wrong way to uh, phrase it. Uh, our guest is Robert Lee Hodge, who appears uh, as a Civil War figure, both there and in many other places in Civil War media, 
and we're going to find out something about how one uh, develops that niche in Civil War studies. Uh, Robert, are you there? Yes. How are you doing today? I'm a bit tired. I uh, was up in Nashville uh, last night and went to Shiloh this morning, and I'm back in Alabama right now. See, uh, I assume by modern conveyance, not not marching. <laughs> well, it'd be nice to travel by mules, but uh, I, I had to drive uh, drive a car. Nice. Did you happen to see Tim Smith at Shiloh while you were there? Yeah, I was on a tour with him uh, yesterday morning as well. Um, I'm going to be. At, I was at Shiloh yesterday morning at dawn, and uh, the Park Service gave a bang up tour of uh, the opening moments of the battle. And uh, we were uh, Tim. Tim led us across uh, some of the property there, and uh, explained some of the um, minutia and the uh, uh, troop deployments and so forth. And uh, through the uh, early morning light, we saw another group of people coming our way, and those were led by um, another Park Service ranger, uh, portraying kind of the federal movement, so to speak. So, so you were sort of unconsciously uh, recreating the battle there. Somewhat, yeah. You know, just trying to walk the terrain and kind of make connections with, um, with uh, you know, what transpired there, and and uh, doing it on the anniversary is always a, a lot more uh, enjoyable, and there seems to be a lot more uh, hype uh, on those kind of days. I'm sure you do get to see the foliage as it was. You get a, the weather as it was. Uh... Not not literally necessarily that things can be unseasonal, but uh, the odds are better for for seeing things as they were when you go at the anniversary time. Sure, I think it was uh, <clears throat> Shelby Foote had mentioned something about Shiloh that uh, he really liked going there on the anniversary because uh, it somehow conveyed more to him. And uh, and I think the foliage is one of those things to see the dogwoods and bloom and the red buds. Um, and yesterday on the uh, <clears throat> tours that we had. We also did the Dill Branch tour, uh, you know, the far Confederate right flank, and, uh, you know, to, to walk that terrain on the anniversaries just really, uh, it, it, it really gives you a, a lot better understanding of the, how treacherous uh, things were, and, uh, and we weren't getting shot at. So uh, you, you, just climbing up, climbing up the ravine at Dill Branch was, uh, was a challenge in itself. It, it is... Uh... A piece of terrain that doesn't show on the map quite as how, how treacherous it is. No, not at all. I had the. Uh, I, we're mentioning Tim Smith uh, for for our listeners. We'll have Tim on the show uh, in a few weeks uh, to talk about his both his work at Shiloh and his book on Champion Hill. So that's something we can all look forward to. I, I met him a few years ago when I was uh, escorting, uh, giving lectures with a group that was traveling by steamboat on the river, and we approached Shiloh as Buell's forces approached it, uh, coming uh, downriver and, and stopping at the landing and getting off right where they got off. And that uh, that was, uh, for me, a transcendental Civil War moment to, to, to be sailing on a period, or late 19th century steamboat, and uh, seeing the battlefield as, as uh, Nelson's men would have seen it crossing the river and, and the rest of Buell's army. Uh, right. Always... I, you mentioned transcendental. I think that's kind of uh, appropriate term, you know, for for you know uh, going to these places, uh, particularly on the anniversaries, and um, you know, not to get too spiritual or ghosty or anything like that, but somehow there's a there's more of an ump for a connection there on those days, and to to have a little bit of knowledge 
uh, you know, uh, in the back of your head when you're there, uh, you know, can can be very helpful. And, and using the books as kind of the keys to opening the doors to these places. Because for, I think, a lot of people, often they go to the battlefields and um, uh, for the layman, perhaps, more so, the, the occasional buff, they may just look like fields to them. And, and unless you have that kind of, the, 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 a little bit of the bookish background, um, it's harder to make those connections at times. It, I, I would agree with that. But let me throw this idea out. Uh, ghosts is, is a powerful word. My own interest in the war was triggered by a visit when I was 10 years old to Antietam with my family. And it was November. It was, it was not the anniversary season. It was the, the, the foliage was gone. And there were almost no visitors at the field that day. And the rest of my family were just as you described, people who saw only fields. I'm not even sure why we stopped there. My parents weren't Civil War buffs by any means. But I was just completely seized by what I saw there. I don't know if it was what I learned in the Visitor's Center, but when I saw the, the Dunkard Church and the, the, the sunken road and the, the woods, everything just... It, it, the connection it was hard to describe. It was as if, if the ghosts were there. I was, was totally captivated by it. Sure. And and here I am talking to you today. How did you get? Did you have an interest when you were a child in, in the Civil War? Yeah, uh, very much early on. Um, I'm named after Robert E. Lee, and I'm born on the same day as Stonewall Jackson. And uh. knowing those things as a, as a four-year-old. Um, I, I uh, w- warmed up to those things, and I wanted to know more. And um, had uh, my older brother's uh, hand-me-down um, figurines. Uh, I believe it's the blue and the gray set from Sears. Uh, Marks might have manufactured them. I'm not they, sure. they did. I, I got those the Christmas after I went to Antietam. My parents bought them for me, and I still have them. They're uh, marvelous figures. Yeah, uh, they're, it's funny. You know that those those. Tools, those objects uh, become, you know, uh, 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 great friends to you as a child. And um, I remember all the figures and the forms, and they, they probably, from a visual standpoint, probably did more to put the bug in me. Um, it was always very visual-based for me. Um, which, uh, since we have plenty of time to chat, which one did you like best of those figures? Um, well, of course, I'd lean towards the gray, and um, uh, usually it'd be a fellow with a bedroll on. There's a there's a fellow kneeling, and he's got a cappy and a bedroll on, and his trousers are bloused into his socks. And, uh, and, and he's shooting. And he's shooting, and I and I liked him uh, quite a bit. And then there was a another uh, rebel who who had a slouch hat on and was running with his. Uh, I believe the gun was in his. Uh, left hand, and he was running with his right kind of hanging down. He had one foot up in the air, and his trousers, again, were bloused in the bedroll, and he, he had a slouch hat on. And, uh, now, and his union counterpart was the figure running with one foot back, is holding his rifle sort of perpendicular to his body. And I always thought he had so much less personality than the, the Confederate <laughs> one. <laughs> That's... That's probably where part of the, my gray bias comes in. You know, uh, I, I, I look at, there's something very visually um, alluring, so to speak, and I, and, I, and I think that's probably where the gray bias comes about. Um, to me, the gray looks a little bit more like citizen soldiers and, and, and um, you know, of course, homespun. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, that, that and it kind of ties in with, you know, what we would think of perhaps, at least by some ac- academics, as perhaps southern mythology of the war, the ragged rebel fighting against all odds with Robert E. Lee. And, of course, those things are true at times, uh, obviously. But um, I have a bit of a trivia question for you. You know, that federal counterpart you mentioned, what core badge is he wearing? Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember if he had the... The club or the diamond? Yeah, the same. That most of them, most of the ones that have core badges on them will have six core. Okay. Yeah. Now that's that's interesting. I, I, I'm trying to remember. I don't have. I don't happen to have the. Actually, I have one of the figures here in the office with me, but it's a it's a Confederate cavalryman. Right. The one with the kepi. Oh, okay. Although they molded them in blue and gray in some cases. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that this, that, that this kind of trivia would probably get me many dates in college. Well, let's let's. Um, <laughs> that's a good point, certainly. <laughs> I, I think uh, you know between those those marks figures and the the maps, the bird's eye maps in the uh, the Bruce Catton Centennial History uh, of all the people I talked to on on this show, those two are the two things that hooked more of us back in the nineteen sixties. Uh, and later into Civil War study than, than any other factors. That, that's exactly the combination. I was going to mention uh, the Golden Book of the Civil War, mm-hmm. um, the the maps drawn by David Greenspan. Yeah. Um, those juxtaposed with those uh, Marx figurines put the bug in me deeply, and I would re- try to replicate as best I could the uh, troop movements from the Dre- Greenspan maps of Chancellorsville or Gettysburg or uh, the, you know Murfreesboro. Exactly. And so, uh, yeah, that 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 you know, just it did it for quite a few people. I remember talking with Brian Pohanka, mm-hmm. and he was mentioning the same thing to me. I, one of my regrets on the show is I, I didn't ever get a chance to interview him here—a uh, real loss to our Civil War community. Huge. I mean, uh, the the loss is still kind of numbing, kind of shocking still to me. I. I I'm sure there's a lot of people that were real good friends with Brian. I'm happy to say that at, at for for probably a spell in the mid-'90s, we were pretty close, uh, would hang out from time to time. And um, he did so much for me, um, and I owe him so much uh, credit. And to to know that he lived, I mean, his, his life made my life better. And uh, he did so much uh, for me and, and really helped me out and, and you know, you know, kind of took me by the hand sometimes to the National Archives and kind of showed me the ropes. This is how you do this and this is how you do that. And and, um, and I wound up, you know, doing some research work for him and that metamorph- metamorphosized to a lot of other things. But uh, he was uh, a, a great asset to the community uh, this subculture and great communicator, and uh, and certainly uh, without a doubt one of the leading preservationists. And and uh, knowing what he he and from his estate posthumously has given quite a bit of money to various preservation groups. Uh, gave a million to a uh, million dollars to the Civil War Preservation Trust. Gave five hundred thousand dollars to the Richmond Battlefields Association, and gave. 500000 to the Central Virginia Battlefields Trust, and I believe uh, 100000 to Save, Save Historic Antietam Foundation. So, um, you know, he really, you know, it goes back to the old phrase, you put your money where your mouth is, and um, he 
you know, his legacy, you know, I'm sure will continue for quite a long time. And you mentioned interviews. I, I inter- Brian asked me in May of 2004 when we, when Wide Awake Films put on the Chancellor or the uh, Spotsylvania reenactment in May. Brian came up to me, and we hadn't been, uh, you know, as close as we had once been, but, you know, we were still in touch via emails and phone calls. And uh, he came up to me and he said, you ought to come over and interview me sometime. And, uh, you know, I knew what he meant. He never spoke about his illness, and I never ta- spoke about it with him either. And, you know, I just let it, you know, lie where it was. And uh, I went over to his home a few months later and uh, interviewed him for about three and a half hours on uh, on uh, videotape and were hoping to uh, do more with that footage. Wide Awake Films is hoping to do more with that footage and um, kind of do a perhaps some sort of... Uh, you know, uh, documentary that that would help uh, remember Brian's legacy, but also to help um, encourage people and enthuse people to get involved more in protecting these lands that are uh, that we're losing so quickly. Well, that would be a, a great thing. You're involved with Wide Awake Films. I know we talked to uh, a couple of the principals uh, a few shows back about some of the the wonderful productions that have come out of there. What's your role with, with Wide Awake Films? Well, I'm a third owner of the company with Shane Seeley and Ed Lidecker. Uh, we're kind of like to call ourselves the Three Musketeers, I guess. And uh, we, we um, have, you know, really it's kind of a dream come true. I, I've uh, been able to um, make a few Civil War products with Shane and Ed so far, and we hope to do a heck of a lot more especially before the 150th anniversary comes up. And, um, you know, I remember my mom asked me when I was about nine, what do you want to do when you uh, grow up? And I had just seen um, the uh, newer version of the Red Badge of Courage on film. The rich, uh, was it Richard Thomas? The uh, John Boy Walton uh, right. did the remake of it. And, of course, that's not nearly as good as the Audie Murphy version. But uh, I remember seeing that as a child, and I was really enthralled by it. And I told my mom, I said, I want to be an art director on Civil War movies. <laughs> That's so, a specific niche there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it'll. Uh, <laughs> I might be, it might be in a bread line or a soup kitchen or something. But I, I, uh, I, I've really been fortunate to, you know, ebb and flow away from that at times. But it's always come back to me, and uh, to be, you know, able to work with Shane and Ed, and to do the things that we've done and to hope to do a lot more of them, you know, is real dream come true and I'm uh, you know, very uh fortunate to 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 be able to do to do this, uh although it's uh it's a struggle. Um I, I'd always uh probably shied away from business and, and math and things like that in school and in college. I wanted to paint and write and kind of be a little bit more creative and um and so now I'm, I'm learning from the school of hard knocks on how to um you know balance things and um and uh learn a little bit more about the business side it's not nearly as fun but uh you know you have to have that discipline once in a while it's true that that's, that's part of uh part of any of the fun things we do is also making them pay right well i'd like to talk more about this we're going to take a short break here on civil war talk radio And we'll come back in just a moment with Robert Lee Hodge and find out more about how one can relive the Civil War on Civil War Talk Radio. 